Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the SNL Recap Show. I'm your host, Rich Tackenberg, and I want to just jump in. This was a fun episode, and I want to see what you guys have to think. And to do that, I am joined, as always, by my co-host on the East Coast, Mr. Mike Bloom. How you doing, Mike? Sounds like Laszlo Holmes wrote your uh, your precursor monologue there, Rich. Uh, I basically finished off with Let's Do That Podcast, right? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And no, a lot of a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So I thought we just jump into it. Uh, sort of we're finishing up our November slate. This was technically the Thanksgiving episode, although you would only know it from a couple of uh, shout outs. But overall, I thought similar to the Tiffany Haddish ep- episode, I thought this was a an imperfect episode, but a lot of fun. I, I thought uh, there was a lot of lot of silly, fun stuff, a couple of sketches that went too long, a couple of sketches that were maybe not fully sort of realized what they could have been but overall i thought this was good mike where did you put it in sort of your uh you know ranking of the season so far yes my always correct list uh yeah this falls in i put it at number three right now uh below kamel nanjiani and tiffany haddish though i feel like the more we're going to talk about it the more i sort of doted on it i was actually much more positive on this episode than i initially thought so i could under further investigation uh, not like in a um, Robert Mueller type of way, but, you know, bump it up maybe above Tiffany Haddish at some point in time. But, yeah, I completely agree. This definitely separated from the sort of in the middle aspect of the Ryan Gosling episode. Definitely the below average qualities of the Larry David and the Gal Gadot episodes. I mean, I just want to talk about Ch- Chance the Rapper overall because, I mean, my expectations were definitely set low. Uh, not to say I should have trusted in SNL considering that I don't think they would bring him on as a host that they didn't trust in at least some of his performative capabilities. But I mean, from what I had seen, the only thing I'd really seen him perform in comedy wise was Jingle Barack that he did the previous Christmas. And so I really wasn't sure what he was going to bring to, you know, essentially holding up a 90 minute sketch show. And I think he did a fantastic job. And again, maybe he was just like rising and uh, over exceeding my very low expectations, but I thought he was so game for everything. Uh, It's also interesting as well that I guess he had also pitched some sketches, which I feel like hosts very rarely do. I know he uh, leaned on his friend and also comedy confidant Donald Glover. And I think we can maybe point out if we want to some sketches that we think might've been written by them that made it to the final show. But he was so surprisingly game for everything. You could really tell much like Tiffany Haddish, just this general sense of energy and excitement, which I am always welcome for in an SNL host. So I'm so excited to talk about this episode because chance, even just from his performative capabilities, put the writing aside, just chance himself as a sketch performer did a really nice job. Yeah, I would say he was I would almost put him at the level of uh, the Bruno Mars episode from a few years ago where Bruno Mm -hmm. had never done anything like this and just crushed it. Uh, And I would say Bruno still for me sort of holds that mantle as sort of the best at at that. He was as as smooth as silk here. There were a couple of bumps along the way, but certainly I agree. I thought he was very, very game for everything fun, brought a great energy to it uh, without being too silly. So, yeah, so let's jump into it. Let's talk about the show. Uh, I thought we got off to a bit of a, a weaker start with, mm. uh, I, but I will say, you know, we, we start with sort of this WikiLeaks cold open where we're going to see Julian Assange meet up with uh, Donald Trump Jr. And then who else shows up, but, uh, but uh, Eric, who was in the car. Um, and I, I would say, I thought this was a little bit all over the place for me, a little bit uh, really just sort of going back to the weekend update of last week to sort of play the, uh, to play the Trump brothers again. But I did at least like that we were mixing it up instead of doing sort of a, you know, a standard political cold open. Uh, this was at least, you know, imagining something that might have happened, taking two characters or technically three characters we haven't seen before and putting them together. So I was game for this, even if I don't know that I necessarily loved it. Yeah, the, the head writers have a Herculean task 
in front of them approaching season 43, right? Season 42 was considered a landmark modern season for a variety of reasons, one of them being Alec Baldwin's Emmy-winning performance as Donald Trump. Now going into season 43, with the Trump presidency still there, quite obviously, how do you acknowledge it and make comedy out of it while at the same time not repeating what's been done already, which comes off as stale. I think we saw in the first few weeks that they were sort of relying on those crutches. And my plea to them in those past few weeks was get get Baldwin off the screen. Let's see some new stuff. Let's see some new characters being developed. And I feel like between last week and this week, we're seeing examples of that, which is great. Now, are these the best sketches that could come out of this? No, not necessarily. As you mentioned, uh, they're taking the Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump characters out of Weekend Update, putting them into a sketch, which is actually very, very rare in SNL. You'll occasionally get your characters who appear in a sketch who then become update mainstays. Stefan is probably one of the biggest modern day examples of that. But I feel like it's even rarer to say, okay, these characters work as correspondence on update. Let's move them out and put them in their own sketch. Though, obviously, I think the implications behind these characters Makes sense. And so they weren't really uh, groundbreaking new territory because it was a very similar Eric is a simple man type of game. Uh, props to Kate McKinnon uh, for weird Julian Assange uh, with the, the accent of about 30 countries at the same time. I agree this was not uh, really a lol worthy cold open, but I, I thought, again, it, it just acknowledges the fact that they're starting to maybe workshop how to handle this political material without addressing the president himself but i do want to ask you rich i do feel like uh, you are probably the most particular about the live from new york greeting as anyone i know what's your take on moments like this where they like almost use it as a meta moment where you know eric says live from new york and donald jr has to stop him and say oh no no it's live from new york almost you know directly punching through that fourth wall before the sketch even finishes yeah, no, I actually I mean, uh, definitely I'm a big stickler for this stuff. I am a very, very big stickler for it. And yet with that said, I, I enjoy sort of the meta. I enjoy when they sort of play it a little bit different or like like they've done in, you know, different times where they start it and stop. And as, as long as they come back and redo it hard, uh, I thought the live was a very funny way to sort of like sort of take that joke to the very end. So which I actually thought was a nice because like you, I was a little getting a little bored with the, the one note of it and i feel like the julian assange character hasn't really cracked yet it's nowhere near sort of that weird craziness of her jeff sessions just yet so i think we still have to find that but it was definitely a nice way to end it and uh, and, and sort of i thought gave a nice nice sort of shot in the arm for for the cold open so we get to our monologue here rich uh i guess would we call this first musical monologue of the season do we count ryan gosling's like nerland's piano jazz introductory course from the premiere yeah, I mean, not not exactly a full song, but yeah, I would say, yeah, this is, you know, surprising that it took us six uh, episodes to get to a full song for a for a, you know, musical monologue. But, you know, definitely needed. I thought, you know, probably more fun energy here than it was necessarily hilarious. Uh, but I thought he was you just saw him being very game uh, singing, you know, in a key that was maybe not his super comfort zone. But I think he still sort of brought it and they definitely threw the kitchen sink at this one, which I think they sort of needed to just sort of keep it moving yeah so he like you mentioned he comes out like a firecracker uh even you know cutting off the band which shows just the true musicianship of him but i would say overall yeah this was fine which actually surprised me because you would think he's a musical performer you would think that the musical performance would knock it out of the park unlike you know hey let's bring in this actress and have her sing a random song even though she's not comfortable singing uh, it's and like I don't know if it was a key thing or if it's just you know he's chance the rapper not necessarily chance the singer but yeah the the actual singing itself I was not really a fan of I know that's me being particular uh, but I guess that's sort of the music nerd in me it's interesting also comparing this to around this time last year when Kristen Wiig did her Thanksgiving monologue and it was mm -hmm. a very similar very similar style to the point of where both of them had like hey let's schlep out each cast member to sort of fill apart when you know when the uh, monologous mentions that person then they'll come out and do it i think chris and wig stuck with me a little more just because there was more absurdity and more comedy in there whereas chance the rappers where the game was like hey i want to create this thanksgiving song for you to embrace your relatives even the weird ones it didn't really play for me that well so maybe it was just between 
those elements and the fact that the actual musical performance itself was not great. I'm glad that there was another musical moment later on in the episode that definitely redeemed chance in that perspective. It, between this and the cold open, it was a weird start to the episode for me, but it gladly improved my opinions of it uh, basically right after this. Yeah, I agree. And I and we we come back to a live sketch, uh, you know, a place that SNL has certainly gone before being, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne in the world of Batman. We're going to do a Bruce Wayne Thanksgiving. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't know that this was the most hilarious sketch, but I'd say I really liked it because it was something that we're just going to see very different, which is, you know, how is Bruce Wayne seen through the eyes of, you know, of, of black people who live in a lower income area where crime is not always the worst thing uh, and how mean he is and i thought this was fun i thought that the, that he was good i thought that you know the, the cast in general they kept this sketch moving very quickly a lot of fun stuff with leslie jones and uh and i thought beck bennett you know really this is what he does well as sort of the sort of the straight man in the sketch sort of holding it together without pulling too much focus uh i thought there was a lot of fun about how everyone ends up hanging from their drawers from a gargoyle uh no matter what happened uh, a lot, lot of fun stuff here yeah, so my live reaction in the moment was, you know, when Leslie comes in with Chance the Rapper as her son, uh, first, Les, I love you to death, but uh, gotta work on those line flubs, hopefully, in this little holiday break before we come back on December 2nd, because I feel like this is like the second or third week in a row that just the timing was not right with her. She's a great performer, but I still think even after a few years, she still might need to get adjusted to some of those live elements. But as soon as, like, he got into character chance i mean and started talking with bruce wayne i was like okay this is this is already better than i thought it would be and yeah this is a really it's just it's a fun thing uh especially like comic book fans would shoot around like hey what do you think the other people in gotham city think about uh with batman i think it's also really funny to come from the specific perspective of like growing up in this specific neighborhood maybe like akin to the projects of gotham like how do they react to batman essentially coming in you know picking up people who aren't really doing anything and punishing them in these really weird ways but i like also how it built as well, well. yeah Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, no, to your point, too, like the thing is, like, you know, we, you know, there's so many sort of like meta superhero tropes that we've seen about, you know, P, you know, the, the you know, uh, damage from fights going on around superheroes or how bad their superhero, uh, um, you know, secret identities are. I thought this was just an, like it didn't go too big oh, where yeah. it became like, OK, we've heard this before. It was just a simple like, man, like that guy like this. I thought that was like just it was a nice simple like oh i haven't heard this before about like the low level uh criminal or you know people who were just sort of like man just take it easy man like it's just that was just very simple and i like that a lot and i like how it built as well you know you start with leslie and chance and then you have keenan come out and then you have chris red come out by the way a uh, big week for chris red yes. i wouldn't say he really had like a standout sketch uh, you know unlike heidi when she appeared a couple of weekend updates ago but uh, I also think that this was like a nice opportunity, much like last week, to showcase the minority members of the cast as well and really shows how diverse the cast can be and how talented they are. So I was really happy to to see that. Uh, so, yeah, I thought this was a really fun idea and it was executed well in terms of performance. Nothing uh, absolutely groundbreaking, but still a nice way to start off the night, especially again after I uh, was not too keen on the cold open and the monologue. Yeah, well, I suspect that that all turned around as we got to our first pre-tape sketch, which feels like we're sort of starting out with what feels like a very straightforward, uh, almost boys to men kind of a slow jam kind of, a, a, you know, mix. Uh, this sketch was written by uh, by Keenan Thompson, Chris Red, and Will Steven on the writing staff, directed by Dave McCary. Uh, and uh, and, you know, the, the three are lamenting a long lost love and then uh, a full minute into the sketch and into the pre-tape it is revealed that the person that they are uh, missing is barack obama uh for me easily the sketch of the night just hmm. super super fun i thought i loved this i thought this was so much fun great energy great fun maybe didn't end super strong but overall i thought it was just really fun yeah, I wouldn't exactly call this sketch of the night, but I do agree that it was fun. I mean, I'm I'm going to keep going back to beating this drum, so I apologize if I keep repeating myself between weeks. But the production values behind these this music video was spot on. I mean, it was very akin to Dick in a Box, which was, what, like 10 years ago at this point? Uh, between 
the the very specific production elements even keenan points out like all the candles and the settings that they were in the look was very also like i was thinking about like casey and jojo all my life those like slow jam r&b songs complete with the deep voice guy talking during the interlude of it but much like dick in a box as you said the reveal came a good portion into the song so it's a really interesting idea to sort of lay the groundwork and then reveal the game of the song uh you know after a little bit of runway is built ahead of you it's a really interesting tactic in terms of songs i think it was performed really well as i said before i think chance really redeemed himself here taking lead on the vocals uh I, I would say that i i don't think unlike jingle barack i wouldn't say the lyrics themselves were that humorous but just like the concept itself and the way it was executed was definitely a win in my book yeah i thought that uh similar i thought with i thought the the real the the whole laugh of this was the premise once we understand that it's it's three guys sort of lamenting barack obama leaving i don't know that comedy wise we went anywhere all that funny other than as you said the specificity to the kind of uh you know music video that they were parroting that they did a really good job at and you know to your point about uh about dick in the box you know uh you know friend of the show mark and nyc was pointing out just how similar sort of the musical hook was in the cadence of come back Barack and Dick in a box. They, they almost perform it while the actual songs themselves are sort of different. You can really sort of feel the same thing. Uh, you know, the, it's a very similar sort of tone to it all. So I thought that was very interesting. Mm. And also a uh, in- inter- interesting connection as well. I do not think this was on purpose at all, but did you notice the George Clooney reference that he was specifically Batman after the Batman sketch? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Exactly. The other thing I read about this, which I thought was cute, is musical director had mentioned that Chance did his uh, whole part in one take. I thought wow. that was, you know, his so really, really calling out. So I feel like, OK, we're, you know, and again, what I think sort of the, the part here that I'm going to call out because we're going to come back to it a couple of times is the real MVP of this sketch was the surprise, the surprise <laughs> in the writing, the surprise in the payoff, which I think we see again when we come back to do a live sketch, we're going to do the family feud, but we're not going to do as i thought during the you know the the pod buster when we saw them setting up the uh, the family feud sketch we're not going to do a string of impressions uh you know in celebrity family feud we're instead going to do uh steve harvey's family and his friend's family this was another sketch that i was really like i don't know where this is going i don't know that i dislike it i just don't know where we're going but then a really fun payoff when we get to chance the rapper and and i thought that piece was just very very fun to your point about surprises, I think that's a really interesting point. I've actually, you know, looking at like the SNL Reddit, for instance, the live from New York Reddit for this season, I think a couple people pointed out that it does feel like some of the sketches in this season are sort of lacking that surprise. And not to say that every sketch needs a surprise to happen, but it is such a, a good convention that can really elevate a sketch from either like a bad one to an okay one or an okay one to a good one. I mean, I have to give this sketch all the accolades in the world for doing something different. I know uh, we talk a lot about the Mad Libs here on the podcast. And like you said, it could have just been another, hey, here's another celebrity family feud. They even do sort of the extended hellos. But again, much like actually the previous song, they're building out a lot of runway so that when that surprise comes and Cecil gets revealed and it's Chance the Rapper donning like a Don King haircut, but basically rocking Steve Harvey's wardrobe and mustache, then you can really take off with it. Now I'll admit this is the dumb part of me. I did not get the joke for like a good, maybe five to 10 seconds afterwards. I don't know if the audience actually did either. And maybe that's why they felt like they had to be a little repetitive to it. I I think that the best part of the sketch was by far that reveal and then thereafter i feel like the momentum might have fallen a little bit once we actually get into the feud itself just keeps going back to like oh yeah i remember spending time with you 17 years ago i mean i think steve even has a line that says you and i are very similar and it's like yes that is the joke that is the point of the sketch so we can understand to a certain extent like almost beating that into the ground but I, i have to give this sketch a plus just because they really brought that surprise to a format that we have seen so many times before 
No, I agree. And I, and so the, I agree that that was a fun twist. And then, and I thought that 80 played this very well. I thought Leslie Jones was very fun, albeit we've seen this a lot from Leslie Jones, but no one, you know, but she does it very well with the like, not shaking 80s hand. I thought that was very fun. Uh, shout out to SNL writer, Gary Richardson, who yeah. makes his second on-screen cameo in two weeks. Uh, first being in the, in the um, Leslie and Kyle pieces, their son. And this week being, uh, you know, being a, uh, I guess it was his son uh, at the end. So a little more screen time for Gary, which is great. Uh, yeah. So I thought this is, again, I, I think you're right. I think by the time I was ready to wrap it up, uh, it, they wrapped it up. So it, it was probably a little bit too long, but mm-hmm. but not as long as some of these sketches often go. So I, I thought it was it was decent. Very, very decent. And I'll give two shout outs here as well. Uh, first, uh, two Chance the Rappers, also Steve Harvey impression, which much like I know yes. you compared him to Bruno Mars before with that Bruno Mars Pandora sketch when we're all sort of like, oh, wow, like Bruno Mars can do that because I don't think a lot of people remember or knew that like he had grown up doing impressions. I don't know if Chance the Rapper was workshopping a Steve Harvey impression while he was an up and coming hip hop artist, but that was so surprising and again just showed how game he was. And I also loved the very subtle Forrest Gump reference when Steve Harvey says like, is he smart or is he is he like me uh, again? Not the, yes. not the last Forrest Gump reference we'll get outright in this episode, which again is like a weird continuity throughout. But even though I feel like the sketch might have had a little bit of declining action after that initial reveal, there were, were still a couple pops that I enjoyed that made it an overall sketch, overall enjoyable sketch, I should say. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. So uh, so let's go to uh, to our musical guest. We had the return of Eminem, who instead of doing two songs, uh, well, I mean, I guess he technically did two songs. Um, More than but, two. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but but instead of uh, instead of making two appearances, uh, just sort of had one eight or almost nine minute piece for him to uh, do a couple of different songs with Skylar Gray. Um, so, you you know, as I was joking with uh, with, uh, as I said, friend of the show, Mark, uh, does, you know, Eminem does not exactly seem like a, a basket of laughs, but uh, I thought this was really fun. I, really interesting. He did a good job. I thought it sort of built. Uh, maybe the first was not as good, but uh, but then got better and better. And uh, so I thought it was a really uh, strong, strong piece. Yeah. So uh, his three hits that is sort of turned into a medley, which, by the way, I don't think anybody was expecting. I don't think anything had like leaked that he was going to do this. I believe that. I mean, it's very unorthodox. I believe when Prince did it a few years ago before his death, I believe like the SNL purists were a little up in arms of like you're doing one extended performance instead of, you know, two broken up. But he starts with this song, Walk on Water, which I think is part of his latest album. And then it segues into this song, Stan, and then finally into Love the Way You Lie, almost like touching upon, hey, here are some greatest hits from Eminem. For those that are asking who Skylar Gray is, I believe uh, she's a singer-songwriter, and I believe she actually wrote Love the Way You Lie, which Eminem initially did with Rihanna back in the early 2010s. But, I I mean, I I thought it was a really good musical performance overall. I mean, considering it was, as you said, an extended nine-minute medley, I mean, I was enraptured by it. Say what you want to about Eminem uh, and, you know, his past behavior and, you know, his general demeanor. But I feel like he his uh, I'm obviously not a rap expert, but I feel like his style is so aggressive that it actually really held my attention. So I feel like there are very few musical artists that could do an extended three song set on the 8H stage. But I think Eminem did a good job here. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that very, very good job. So. So let's get to weekend update. Uh, I thought some fun, fun weekend update. Uh, I, you know, uh, we start out, we're going to, you know, make a, make a joke, uh, you know, regarding SNL alumni, longtime alumni, you know, cast member and one time head writer, Al Franken. Um, not, uh, not a big shot, but at least sort of an acknowledgement that that's out there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, but I thought the guys generally did a, did a nice job as far as the jokes. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it obviously it always takes a little while to like build momentum between both the pairing and the writing team that's behind Weekend Update. But if I make make a bold statement here, at least for the past three episodes, Weekend Update has consistently been the highlight for me. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because Joe Shea 
have found material to really riff off of that they're really going in a different direction stylistically with more so taking like a daily show-esque hey i'm gonna instead of us trading off jokes i'm gonna give me like a full minute and i'm gonna sort of talk about my topic we got it here where che decides like hey you know what i'm I'm technically like not on a side here politically they're all bitches uh but i thought there were some really fun one-liners in there as well talking about the uh, alleged sexual assault from jerry maybe piven which is depicted in the documentary entourage uh so so great even silly things like the man with the world's largest mustache grew it out to hopefully die on an escalator uh even small visual things like the uh british scrabble player who got let go from the league and it's just a it's a cut to fu but f has the three blank letters uh next to it so like a scrabble nerd like me absolutely loves it so i i really do feel like jost and che have hit their stride and it's, it's become once more where even in sometimes lagging episodes of snl you can turn to weekend updates to sort of be that rising tide overall to hopefully lift all boats yeah no i agree i agree and so coming out of the jokes interesting that this week we started by taking our uh our main weekend update feature of last week uh, the the trump brothers and putting them in the cold open now we're going to take last week's cold open character and put him into a weekend update feature when jeff sessions uh shows up uh and i i just thought this was so much fun i i almost feel like like in in hindsight i shouldn't have liked this so much because it's not uh necessarily a very original sort of uh, Jeff Sessions, given you know how uh, you know um, you know uh, Kate has played this previously. But I just thought coming out with that sort of uh, you know the sort of chant about I do not recall and just the whole you know every you know everything that they were saying and the call and response and and you know him you know sort of whispering like I remember everything. I just thought all of it was just super super fun. So I enjoyed some of it. Uh, I enjoyed, as you as you mentioned, the Colin response. I liked Jeff Sessions saying, well, I can't help it, Colin. I suffered from memory loss from a childhood trauma, the Civil Rights Act, even like the Yeb and Nob stuff I thought was fun. Oh, it was very cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never a big fan in terms of comedy convention of the like, maybe it's just because I've seen it on The Simpsons too much of like, okay i'm i yeah rich this is totally what happened this is not what happened it's not at all i'm lying to them you know it's, it's sort of like <laughs> an over explainy uh whisper it just it did not play too much on me again this might be a hot take from my perspective i'm kind of okay even though i'm glad we're exploring uh cabinet members i'm okay maybe putting this session's uh impression aside for a little bit make it play possum quite literally as he was doing by the end of it just because i mean i think uh, i like the glee that it brings both mckinnon and the audience but i haven't been finding anything new with the character so that i kind of want that meat to rest a little bit you know instead of just taking it directly out of the pan and serving it up to us boiling hot then you really won't get that that taste uh in your mouth as much as you would if you actually let it rest and sort of let the juice work its way back into the meat proper Oh, but you and I both know that that's never going to happen, that they, you know, they have their first non-Donald Trump potential breakout character in a long time. Uh, and really our first breakout political character played by a sitting SNL cast member, not an alum, mm-hmm. a family, you know, a fam- friend of the family, <laughs> uh, you know, cast member. So I think you're going to see a lot more Jeff Sessions coming. I- I'll say I liked it more than you. I, I thought it was really fun. I- it- right to the end. Uh, it really had me giggling, which was good because I needed to have my giggle quotient high so that we could get to Mr. Boy, Bruce Chandling. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 you like it more than I do. I'll let you talk about it. Uh, maybe you like this one as well. I, it was hard not to fast forward through it. I was going to say, and I'm assuming I know your answer to the question. Maze, you have more helpings of Bruce Chandling. Uh, and you're missing me doing my cross-eyed stare at you at the same time. Yes, uh, I, I am a good neighbor apologist, and I have been a defender of Bruce Chandling. However, I will admit that I think the bloom has fallen off the rose a little bit with this character. I think for me, the highlight of this character, I actually watched this appearance again just to remember it fondly, was I think about a year and a half ago when he talked when it was the I do not get women when there's this revelation that uh, he's dating a high schooler. Uh, it was super dark, but I absolutely loved it. I feel like the Bruce Chandling character has sort of been trying to chase that dragon from there on out because now it's sort of hit this familiar pattern of beats of, OK, he's doing really bad humor. 
Then he has sort of a mental breakdown slash a come to Jesus moment on stage and realizes how much of a poor, broken man he is. And then he comes right back into the character to the point where usually that last come back into the character moment gets the biggest laugh from the audience. Here it was like pretty tepid laughter. So, you know, even though my biases are definitely in perspective here, even I'll admit I did not enjoy this appearance a lot. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I, I I get it. It's it's mad libs without the libs. It's just mad and uh, trying to fill that uh, that that formula over and over again. I think is quite diminishing returns. I like Kyle Mooney. I like Good Neighbor. Uh, but this this was maybe once I could see it as like a fun standout thing. But I, I think we're good. So I think we can move on. Uh, so our last feature is Pete Davidson, uh, you know, and I've been, you know, I was a big supporter of Pete early on. I feel like he's been a little bit mixed lately uh, or had been a little bit mixed. And then I think he's been stronger lately. Uh, but this was really more than just sort of a, a stand up comedy routine. This really was a conversation between him and fellow Staten Island uh, alumni slash resident Colin Jost. And I thought this was really fun. I thought that there was a lot of fun to be had by this highlight of the episode for me and by far my favorite pete davidson appearance now admittedly is it a little bit of shoehorn stand-up which i know is a little bit of a pet peeve on this podcast yes pete wasn't really talking about thanksgiving he sort of uses no. use that as a jumping off point to just talk about staten island in general but he obviously had a lot to talk about considering that he's not only from there but as he brought up uh he had made comments about staten island which had really gotten him in trouble i think he actually Maybe around this time last year, he came on update to talk about that as well, to talk about like how in the election it was, you know, the rest, the other four boroughs are pretty much blue except for Staten Island, which was overwhelmingly red. But yeah, this this really worked just because of the banter and because of the material. You know, I had seen over the week that it, in people's uh, annual Sexiest Man Alive issue that Colin Joseph was able to make his way on there as sexiest joke writer. And I was hoping that at least Che be able to make some sort of mincemeat out of it so i was a little surprised that it didn't for a while until pete came out and oh this was just yeah. so much fun the joke writing itself was fantastic uh even outside of the colin stuff like when pete brings up that a staten island reporter had essentially issued a death threat to him in a newspaper which pete compared to the zodiac killer uh Ugh. pete says staten island isn't all heroin and racist cops it's also got meth and racist firefighters and even saying that you know i wish staten island would just fall into the sea and you could tell even him and colin were starting to laugh which Ugh. again there's sort of like a shared bond built between them because they do come from that same place and the best thing about this rich is that it's all rooted in reality if you yes. do this research and if you go to the staten island paper they really do take pot shots uh, pun unintended there at pete davidson while summarily building up colin jost as sort of like their golden child it's so ridiculous and i'm so excited they really pointed it out uh and of course pete brings in some nice self-deprecating moments as well of like colin represents essentially what staten islanders want to be i represent who they are a college a community college dropout who got a game of thrones tattoo before he even watched the show uh, and i just a really fantastic joke about the people thing from pete as well to finish things off being the sexiest joke writer is a very specific category. It's like being the world's smartest horse. It was just, yes. he was packed full of so much funny material just from a dynamic between the two. It, it absolutely lifted my spirits that really rode over the rest of this episode. Yeah, no, I thought it was really fun. I, I definitely agree. And and such game. And I think that Colin was having so much fun and you, and they really do fit into that, that the box. I mean, and I, I like this sort of you know character that Pete Davidson is now sort of painting for himself as sort of this like slacker underdog, you know, who got the, you know, who got a Game of Thrones tattoo just because dire wolves are badass, you know, without even knowing what it was. I thought it was all really fun, works really well. They work well together and a great way to Wendy, great way to end weekend update really really fun all right so now let's get to our post update uh group of sketches here which i actually really enjoyed overall it's, it's one of those few episodes like i talked about over the course of this season where actually uh i liked parts of the first half of the of the episode but for some reason the, the second half of the episode really piqued my interest again maybe it was me writing this pete Davids davidson high again pun unintended here but we go to this rangers game uh on msg as Chance the Rapper comes in as Laszlo Holmes, who's their usable uh, basketball correspondent, who's subbing in as their hockey correspondent. It's very clear, Rich, that Laszlo is in over his head very quickly. 
Yeah, and I like that they really just sort of call this out very, it's a very straightforward sketch that black people don't understand hockey and don't care about hockey. Uh, and we're going to sort of just hit the nail on the head with it. We're not going to be sort of subtle about it. But in a way, I thought that that really worked because Chance the Rapper was so good in this, in his, he walked the line where it wasn't indignant, but it wasn't too broad. Um, I, I just thought he was just very sort of uh, very relatable uh, and I imagine anyone who doesn't watch hockey would have found this funny, uh, you know, and uh, and everyone in it was very game. So uh, probably a little bit long for my taste, but I thought there was just a lot of fun about and having been a big hockey fan growing up, I really a lot of the jokes and and talking about icing and, the, you know, the icing on the cake and and, you know, and Chance the Rapper just not understanding what the heck they're talking about, but trying to cover it was I just thought really fun. Yeah, I liked uh, the mapping that they brought in here between like, you know, him obviously being their rinkside and then you bring in the player to do the interview full with and that obviously bombs and then you bring in uh, the play by play correspondent and all Laszlo can focus on is the one black guy in the audience watching hockey. I mean, this is also a very tough character game to play. It's always tough to play character games of where you're being purposely vague. Or you don't know anything just because yeah. you can run out of steam very quickly with that. But Chance was so good. And as you said, really walking that line between almost both the straight man and the crazy man in this scenario where he was just sort of responding to everything as if as someone who has no idea what hockey is, how he would respond to that by just being very general of, you know, let's do that hockey. And I loved uh, Beck Bennett's character saying, Laz, I want to talk about this Rangers offense. And then Laszlo just says, yeah, you should do that. Uh, just yeah. <laughs> really fun moments. But, but at the same time, he's also the crazy person in the scene just because, you know, everyone else seems like they're in their normal habitat and he really isn't. So a lot of really fun lines in here as well. When Laszlo says, you know, yeah, you've got the goalie there. seems like he's wearing every pad in the world. Uh, catcher's mask. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. My wife was like, oh, is that a hockey thing? I don't get it. Cause I was left so hard at that joke. Yeah. And I then even, fin yeah. even finishing things off by saying, well, that's the story here in hell. It was just, again, <laughs> a great sort of microcosm of just how good and surprisingly subtle chance the rapper was when it came to this comedy overall. Yeah, even when he's got when he's trying to pronounce the name of the hockey player and it's just it's it's like, oh, those are those three. Th there's no vowels there and just like not even be able to say it. So, yeah, I don't know if I said this was written by Streeter Seidel and Mikey Day, surprisingly. And I liked as much as they're sort of calling out how much hockey is not for black people. Uh, I saw the NFL, oh, sorry, the NHL's official Twitter account retweeted the sketch uh, is that they thought it was really fun. So so a lot of fun here. A lot of fun. Uh, so let's go on to our, our next and final pre-tape. Uh, we're going back to, uh, you know, back to the rap well for one last time for a little history lesson. Uh, little doo-doo needs, uh, needs a history lesson about uh, the old Soul Crush crew. Um, this was actually written by Michael Che, Brian Tucker, and Pete Davidson and directed by Oz Rodriguez. So different group uh, than had written our Comeback Barack uh, rap piece. Uh, and I thought at first I was a little bit like, ah, we've done this a bunch of times, but I really did like the idea that it, as it starts out, that we're sort of like going to go to this sort of old school crew that no one's heard of. And then in fact, turns out that they're ridiculous and, uh, and they actually were, uh, you know, completely ridiculous. A lot of, a lot of fun here for me. Yeah, I w it was, it took a little bit of an interesting left turn because I thought the beginning, it was just going to be about the, the character was going to be focused on little doo doo about like, oh, he doesn't know anything. Let's educate him. But then the actual fun turned to this soul crush crew. It was almost akin to uh, when Bill Hader and Fred Armisen premiered like the blue, blue jean committee, which I think was like probably the precursor to documentary now in general. Uh, this felt like something that could be out of documentary now because the, the game is sort of that the Soul Crush crew, uh, even though they sort of build themselves up as like we were the OG hip hop people, uh, they, they nobody knew of them. Uh, their raps were literally all gibberish and they subsisted on weed with a little bit of crack in it. Uh, so <laughs> I, I will say that I don't know if the, the ending to this sketch was particularly strong with, the, you know, the two sides meeting up and then, you know, uh, making peace over that weed with a little bit of crack in it. But the Soul Crush crew was by far my favorite part of this sketch, just all the weird stuff they were showing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I, and I think it did sort of peter out for me, too. 
Um, but still, you know, you know, post update, I felt like, you know, still a lot of fun to be found again here for me. I think the surprise of the sort of turn was stronger than any of the actual jokes that were written once the turn was revealed. But again, still very fun. Yeah. And and, uh, and also a shout out to Quest Love in Common. Uh, some pretty good cameos as to, again, this, build that runway, set up the authenticity of this fake documentary by bringing in, you know, hip hop artist notable of today to, to participate in this sketch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so we come back to a live sketch. Uh, it's career day. And after, uh, you know, roller coaster designer, uh, AD Brian is done. We get to see, uh, you know, uh, the two, two dads talking about, uh, building, um, uh, I don't even know what would they called it, you know, uh, you know, fuel tank delivery systems. Um, I, I don't know what, I still don't know what I thought of this. I mean, I thought it was at a minimum fine, but I don't actually know if I thought it was really all that funny at the end of the day. This sketch should not work on paper because it's a stupidly simple sketch. It's this idea that after seeing this previous guest on career day, knocked it out of the park, these two boys think, okay, we need to one up them and really, you know, make the, the class fall in love with our dads. But what really sold it for me are Mikey day and chance, the rappers performances because the things they're saying are so weird and highly sexualized. It, but for some reason, for me, it just works. It's, it's, I mean, it starts off very simple with like the, did you say Chevron? I think I speak on behalf of everyone in this class when I say, Matthew's mom, you suck. And I wonder if we were going <laughs> to go in that sort of deprecation direction. But once we get to raise your hand, if you got so excited, you just blew your butthole out. Just these like, these kids weird takes on like, Oh, we're all so excited that, you know, my jeans are creamed and I want to <laughs> bang my dad. It's just it got to such a weird level. And again, the gameness of these people between Mikey Day spitting water all over Melissa Villasenor and him falling on the desk. Chance the Rapper stripping down great. to his underwear yeah. like this sketch is a perfect post update sketch where like things get so odd and so weird that it probably would not play well before update but because it's so late at night even if you're watching it the next day it just fits in here and so because it was nested in its real home i enjoyed how weird it got even though again were it not for these performances on paper this thing would not be funny at all yeah, and I do agree with you. I feel like they kept this very with the you know, this could have turned into a very verbal sketch and they kept it very visual uh in a lot of the a lot of the set sort of pieces they were doing. So I like that. I will also say I liked uh it just the weird sort of beginning and end button of the mm-hmm. uh, weird animosity between uh Cecily's uh, teacher and AD Bryan's mom. I thought that was a nice little doesn't actually make any sense, but still very funny little button on things. All right, so let's finish things off here. A little surprised here, Rich, because uh, we, we, you know, we were watching Skank Babysitter 17, but this is a recurring character. I'm actually pretty surprised. I mean, this is uh, not unlike the Porn Stars commercial that we saw when Vanessa Bear was still on the show. In fact, it seems to be existing in the same medium. But considering that we've seen this sketch, I feel like a couple of times pre-update, I'm surprised they save it for the last sketch of the night here. Well, this I was trying to play. I mean, I feel like I and I was sort of trying to put together like, wait, when have we seen this last? Because I was, you know, it was I mean, I'm going back to the Amy Schumer uh, did a character sort of just like this where she's yeah. they're shooting a porn and yet asking questions about like I think it was a doctor's office maybe and asking actual medical questions. Yeah, yeah. I think what it was, I did some research on this as well. So, yeah, the Amy Schumer one, which was a few years ago, was yeah, it seemed like they were shooting a porn that took place at a school and 80 was a student. But the last time we saw it, I think was Adam driver in the beginning of 2016, where that sort of broke the convention that they were filming a movie and they were just in a doctor's office and at the, they were obviously a lot of stuff oh, going right, on. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think they're 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 again, they're building out the sort of weird reality where like, 80s characters pointing out the fact that they live in a home that has two plastic plants and a suspiciously black leather couch and no TV or anything. But at the same time, you don't have your director coming in and saying like, cut, cut, cut. Okay, let's start over again. You know, it just, it just seems more like to me, almost kind of like the Batman sketch we saw to open this episode. What if you had this sort of normal person within the context of a highly stylized pornographic film? 
Yeah. And I will also say without getting into specifics, I also felt like for me, this was, I had seen it before. I feel like we weren't covering any new ground. And I also felt like it was like, it doesn't feel anywhere current to kind of like, like this fictitious porn that they're doing with the pizza delivery guy feels like a 10 to 20 year old premise. That is yeah. that it, it did. And even sort of the set with the two plants. And so clearly we're talking about being on a set that was very cheap. It, it all felt like, I, I wonder if there was a lot of guys in the room who, you know, two months in the writing room who two months ago would have raised their hand and said, Hey, that's not what porn looks like today. But in this environment was like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and we're just, I'm not going to get in any trouble. I'm not going to, I don't want anyone to feel uh, uh, like I'm creating a hostile work environment. So uh, yeah, just do just, just do the pizza guy and the, the list at the end. Like I'm not going to get involved. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of like if we go, if we go to the family feud and we say like name the top five situations that a porn would be about, you feel like pizza guy would be number one. So it's interesting that, again, the chronology of how this, sort of reoccurring sketch happened where we like started in a school and went to a doctor's office but now we almost go back to the base with the pizza guy i don't know i, I think this is where you could kind of show that they've been doing three weeks of shows straight and they were like all right let's just sort of throw this one out there now i don't want to decry this sketch too much as always i think 80 is what makes this character and she's not yeah she's precocious but she's not too much of an annoying kid that it sort of derails the sketch uh Heidi Gardner good to see you I'm, I'm uh, and you're very game again for playing that very like vapid porn star type I thought Chance the Rapper was good as a very stiff uh pizza guy uh again pun unintended there uh and I I did like there was one line at the end when you bring in who was it, it was Beck and Alex and Kyle as like your handyman and your plumber and your delivery guy and then Kyle they're like oh yeah I'm like I've got it hard I've got it hard as well and Kyle just says I'm just medium hard but they can cut around it uh, <laughs> that was like one line that I really enjoyed and I kind of wish if we'd gotten more of that more like direct references to porn it could have made it a little bit more specific and therefore a little more funny uh, I would say maybe this might be the low point of the episode for me, which again is, uh, I mean, I think that's just an indicator of how much I enjoyed this episode overall. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we end it, you know, again, I, I'd always rather them take a shot and I don't, you know, and fail rather than do something that we've really seen before or is an SNL trope and uh, and only hit a medium. And I did feel like that. That's what this was. I feel like we ended with sort of just a classic SNL trope. It was what it was, uh, but overall good episode um, and, you know, fun. Good nights just to sort of say, as I know, at least in all they cut off, but uh, but a lot of great energy in the good nights um it was odd that uh, i think he probably forgot to give a shout out to quest love in common uh because obviously he probably was not there when they when they did shoot their pre-tape but a lot of good energy on the stage i think a lot of relief that they ended uh you know ended the 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 November run with uh, on an up note and not on a down note. And everybody I have a hunch is going to sleep for a long, long time before we come back in December for our next run of shows. So let's talk about that. Uh, we don't, I don't think we'll get any word of what the other, I'm assuming we'll probably go another three and then break. Right. Cause if we have yeah. December, December 2nd, 9th, and then 16th. Yeah. Cause I don't, I think the 23rd would probably be cutting it too close, but starting off our batch in December, we have, Sirsha, it's either Sirsha or Sirsha. Sirsha, Sirsha, yeah, Ronin with you two. Uh, first of all, I want to give major kudos to SNL, who, I mean, four out of their six hosts so far have all been first timers, and they've really been almost big gambles. You know, Kumail Nanjiani yeah. is uh, a really great comic, but I mean. I feel like he who knows if he would fit into the live environment. Tiffany Haddish, her I'm so glad her stock has really skyrocketed since her time on SNL because I wouldn't call her virtually an unknown, but I mean, I know a lot of people did not necessarily know who she was before the episode. Chance the rapper, I think a lot of people, myself included, were saying, Can he really do this? I think he proved that he could. We have now another newcomer coming in. Uh she's in the new movie Lady Bird, which I haven't seen, but I've heard fantastic things about. She's probably most well known for uh being a part of the movie Brooklyn, which is one of my wife's favorite films of the past few years, Oscar nominated. Uh, but from what I hear, even though she is 
sort of a part of that more dramatic Oscar nominated actor kind of guild. I believe she said in an interview that one of her favorite movie scenes was uh, the sex scene in the movie of MacGruber with Will Forte and Kristen Wiig. So I think a lot of people are actually already comparing her to a possible Emma Stone like appearance of, Oh, Hmm. we had no idea you could be this goofy. So that's again, I think lowered expectations are always the key to happiness. This episode is indicative of it. So I'll try to keep my expectations nice and low, but We'll see if that comparison holds as we start December off with her. What do you think? And I and it's going to be a very Irish themed episode. Oh, I yes. mean that we've got. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I think that she's technically. I think she's uh, born here and raised here, but from. I think she's first generation Irish. I think she's actually an Irish resident. Uh, and you too are. You know the. You know the the royal court of Ireland. So interesting pairing. I doubt that that's much of a coincidence. I think that'll be a very interesting uh, way to kick off what becomes the holiday episodes as we talked about last year you know there used to be the you know december 16th would be the episode where we'd start talking about christmas and hanukkah uh, and now we spend the entire you know we spend all three episodes in full christmas and holiday mode so expect a lot of a lot of irish holiday spirit coming at us in the first week of december Yes, a lot of green to go with the red. Do you have a pick right now, Rich? Before we get the other two hosts reveal for December, can you put in a chalk pick right now for the Christmas episode host? You know, I feel I am going to say I would. uh, This won't happen, but I'm going to say it anyway. Bill Hader. I feel like we're due for a Bill Hader uh, appearance somewhere along the way. And I think that the timing is right for it, even though I don't know that that'll happen. I'm going to put in a pick and say James Franco, because I think the disaster artist mm. is actually is actually coming out in early December. So I think it's within the time frame. And I think you've mentioned before that for the Christmas show, you either get an alumni to host or you get like someone who's well known in the community. I know Franco has probably only hosted twice or so at this point, but he seems like someone who's very game, especially from a comic sensibility. So that's going to be my sort of out of left field pick for our Christmas host. And I guess we'll probably see in a couple of weeks, they'll come back from Thanksgiving and right before uh, we go to Sir Sharonin, they'll probably reveal the other two hosts yeah. on top of that. And we'll be back to talk it all up as well as we finish off SNL in 2017. Fantastic. Uh, anything to promote before we wrap it up, Mike? Well, uh, I know that we're going to probably go on a break for a couple of weeks here, but if you are not subscribed to our SNL only feed, again, we are not running in the main feed of Post Show Recaps, so all of our podcasts can be found on postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. While you're there, any sort of rating or review would be greatly appreciated. We want to hear your feedback in general about your thoughts on the past six episodes. Feel free to reach out to us on social media. Rich is at Rich Tack. I am at a Mike Bloom type. You can also leave some conversations, some comments in this post on postshowrecaps.com, but I'm excited to uh, tuck into some turkey here, Rich. And uh, once we're well rested and watch the parade pass by, we'll be able to get back to it all on December 2nd. Sounds good. Love it. Can't wait to can't wait to get into my Irish holiday vibe on with you guys as we uh, as we start talking that. So everyone have a great Thanksgiving, whatever you're doing. Stay safe, be well and see you in December. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.